good morning and good evening beautiful people i'm so excited dion what a man. episode we got for y'all man a lot of heat a lot, a lot of, heat. of heat caliente this is a good one it definitely if you don't already as you got like we say unshameless plug like comment subscribe to the most notes podcast wherever you're listening to we are on all streaming platforms we are on youtube uh, go support your boy. If you see anything on social media, retweet it, send it to your friend. Hey, send it to your granny. I'm sure she'll love it. We love grannies. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> shout out to the gilfs out there, MILFs. Come on, bro. Um, we, we we rock with y'all, for real, for real. Um, but yeah, this is a banger of an episode. Uh, we're going to jump right into it, man. Yeah. Like we usually start with the week. Our week wasn't really that crazy. Our week sucked. Um, and we're getting sick. Yeah, that's true. It is that time of the year. So yeah. all you people that... Uh, Need to wear a mask, double mask up if you need to, like a double mm. cup, double mask up. Like a double um, cup. Shout out H Town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, I got you. I got you. I appreciate but, that. Yeah, man. We're gonna jump from the from your week. Let's go ahead and talk about that Texas game. Yeah, so the Texas game. And you know, I, before we do jump into that, let's give a little rundown of what we got coming up so y'all don't leave. You know what I'm saying? I know we got a lot of Texas talk, but of course, Super Bowl about to happen in a couple of weeks. We're talking to two guys. One from San Francisco, he covers the 49ers, Matt Lively. And our boy Aaron Ladd is back with us, covers the Kansas City Chiefs. So we, we talked to those two. And then Texas State, that whole debacle with their quarterback situation. We're bringing in Dave Campbell, Texas football writer and editor, Ishmael Johnson. He talked about that. But right now, let's stick to the, the hoop side of things, I guess you should say. Last night, we're, we're shooting this on Tuesday, by the way. Monday night, Texas played against the number four team in the country, U of H. The Cougars. And mm. you, you spoke about the gifts of the world. I actually saw a sign that said, I'm horny for Cougars. Like, a student had that sign up. Now, mind you, they're playing U of H, the mascot to Cougars, so that, that's a funny part. But, very, bro, very creative. man, very props creative. to him, bro. Props to yeah, him. shout out to you, bro. Yeah, that's, shout out to whoever funny. that student is, man. That's funny. I know his mom's not proud, but F it. Yeah. We're in college. <laughs> <laughs> We're in college, you know what I'm saying? But what a game, though. Went into overtime, back and forth. U of H was up. At the half, they honestly controlled the first half. The defense that UH had the whole first half, they're shutting down Max Aisman, shutting down Tyrese Hunter. Um, Desu got going a little bit later in the second half, but he was also pretty quiet in that first half. And a lot of missed, I guess you could say bunnies, like, like they like to call it, um, right next to the goal for Texas. Um, that And that's what U of H defense does, right? They collapse and they really protect the paint and they rebound very well. And that's all they did in that first half. And the second half comes around. Texas starts to go on a little bit of a run. You know, Dylan Mitchell starts to use his athleticism, get some backdoor cuts going. He actually led the team with 16 points. And he started to get a, get his thing going. And then DeSue calmed down a little bit, started to hit some post-game jumpers, uh, hit a couple threes, got the crowd going. Max Aisman hit a, Max Aisman hit a crazy shot from the corner. And next thing you know, Texas is up. And you're like, up by six? Crowd's going crazy. Moody Center's going crazy. But then the hometown kid, Jamal Shedd, comes back to ATX from Maynard High School, east side of Austin, and he showed why the homecoming, he is king. 25 points, 8 assists on the night, and he was just balling, Dion. I mean, he hit two big-time three-pointers back-to-back with six minutes left in regulation to kind of stop that run that Texas had and put his fingerprint on that game. And then it just went back and forth for the rest of the game, man. What did you see from your angle before we talked about that overtime in the final last seconds? What do you think about the game before the end of the game? 
Uh, I personally only got to see highlights of the game, um, but it, I mean, they look like a pretty evenly matched team. Um, I was going to ask you from your point of view, what did you think was kind of the turning point or something that uh, for the Texas team that, you know, because they're, they're in a lot of these games. Yeah. I mean, like you were telling me before, a lot of these games, if one or two buckets goes their way, um, they're either looking really good in conference play or they're looking really bad in conference play. Uh, I know you want to talk about overtime, but just really quick on that. Uh, what did what did you see on that part? Well, I think it kind of leads into that. Like the guard play for Texas right now is struggling offensively. You know, you have Max Aismith doing his thing, but Tyrese Hunter only had five points on the night. Uh, you have a Kendall Weaver who's not really that guy offensively, but he's a defensive dog. We'll get to him later. Um, and then you have a dude like Ethel Horton, who's supposed to be the shooter, but he's only averaging about 15 to 20 minutes a game nowadays because Kendall Weaver has turned into that guy and getting those minutes because of his defensive efforts. And so you look at the end of the game and UH misses their shot with about 45 seconds to go. UT gets the board. They're pushing it. And Tyrese does the cardinal rule of every guard you shouldn't do he leaves his feet in the middle of the court forces him to throw the ball away turnover so then u of h gets the last shot um which didn't really turn out to be the last shot because texas still had one more chance but it was of course it was a rush shot but they had the last full possession uh did because of that turnover and so i think that's what's been the problem with this team is that outside of max Aismith, the guard play offensively just hasn't been there especially in clutch times now, I will say this. I'll give credit to Tyrese for the game against Baylor, right? He's the one that carried the team in the first half, and he's the one that hit the buzzer beater to beat Baylor. But when Tyrese is on and when he's attacking and when he's aggressive, that's when this team is really, really good, and it could be a top 10, top 15 team. But when you don't have another guy outside of Tyrese that can complement Max Aismith on the perimeter, that's what you saw last night. And you saw the struggles late down the stretch of how do we get the ball in the basket? And to win games, you have to score, no matter how good your defense is. And that's what happened with U of H. U of H had a little struggle. They were having a great defensive game until early in the second half. They couldn't score on offense. And UT created a big, well, not a big lead, but they got the biggest lead of the game in their minds with the six points. And that's how they got back in it because the defense fell off and they couldn't score. But on the other end, at the end of the game, it flipped. Texas couldn't stop them, and they couldn't score. And so UH was able to pull away at the end, especially in overtime, unfortunately. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Right now, that's the problem with this team. I think offensively, they have a lot of struggles. Uh, when DeSue's not on the court, it really is painful to watch sometimes on offense. Um, but defensively, they're solid. I really do think this team is good defensively. Now, they got dominated on the offensive boards last night. That was also the biggest problem. With U of H, now mind you, that's what U of H is known for. They crashed the glass very well, and I'm sure that was a topic of conversation when they were game planning. And it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to do it. And U of H is really great at rebounding. That's something that Coach Sampson, he's known for. His teams always love to rebound. And so that's what kind of killed them was those offensive boards, and that's how U of H got on top in overtime with an offensive board. And so you got to box out. But other than that, they played a good game. They only had 10 turnovers. Texas did. They had over 15 assists. I mean, that's the game that you're supposed to be playing to win in this conference. And it just didn't turn out that way, unfortunately. Uh, and so, yeah, Texas is in a situation now. They're at the bottom tier of the conference. 
Um, and to be honest, if it wasn't for the buzzer beater against Cincinnati and the buzzer beater against Can against Baylor, Texas will be one and seven in conference right now. Uh, and that's a unfortunate news, but that's a what if they did make those buzzer beaters and they're not one and seven in conference and they're still in the race. And so these talk about the sky is falling and uh, RT should be gone. I think that's all fugazi. You know, I think that's a bunch of BS. The sky is not falling. They can still make the tournament. They're not out of the tournament. Are, are people saying that? Yes, bro. Are, are people? Yes, bro. Are people saying that? <laughs> Hell yeah, they are. Bro, all like, up and down my TO. Fans are saying are that. Serious? One and That's done. Crazy. One and done. That's crazy. Didn't he have a great run last Man. year? He Went to, but here's the thing. That's crazy. Here's the thing, though, Dion. People are saying, let's get into it. People are saying that was Chris Beard's team. They're saying Chris Beard mm. recruited that team. He's the one I got out and got Jabari Rice. He's the one I got out and got Timmy Allen. He's the one I got out and got uh, Marcus Carr. And Artie just inherited that talent, and he 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 bandaged things together, right? And he kept them together emotionally, and he was just a good guy that, like, kept the team intact. But this was his first year where he built this roster himself. He went out and recruited this roster. And now this is his first official team. And that's what people are saying. And so they don't give him, a lot of people aren't giving RT credit for last year, which I think is BS because That's crazy. to keep that team together after one day you have a coach next day, your coach is getting fired for strangling his wife. Allegedly. I mean, that's a big emotional shift for kids that are 18, 19, 20, 22 year olds, you know, I mean, and to try to keep them all together and intact was a tough job to do and to put them all the way into the elite eight, Dion. Like, let's not act like they got bounced in the second round. They went to the Elite Eight last year, and he gets no credit for that. So now this year, of course, rocky start, not great in conference, losing some tough, close games. And mind you, this is the toughest con – we talked about this is the toughest conference yeah. in the nation. Like, yeah. every night isn't going to be an easy dub. This isn't what you, what you think the football team was, you know? Like, the Big 12 football-wise, to be honest, wasn't – wasn't that great. You know, they had some good teams, but there were some bottom tier teams that Texas should come on the field and, and demolish. But in the basketball court, every team is nice. All right. And so every game is a challenge. And I think people are just expecting Texas to win every single week and every single game. And that's just not a reality, especially with the way this conference is built. So, yeah, I mean, you even like I say, we were talking about it before that we started. I mean, Baylor and TCU going triple overtime. Again, another dog fight. Same, I mean, them and Baylor. Baylor's got the the wrong end of it. I mean, like there are three law three losses on buzzer beater. So, like I said, it's the same thing. It's a gauntlet. Yeah. It's a gauntlet. And the fact, again, like you say, that they're in all of these games. It's not like they're going out there and getting blown out. They're getting getting blown out, or the or the other team looks like they're in control, even though it's a close game. Because you, we, if you watch basketball, you can know like okay. The score doesn't properly show how the, you know, the tempo, the atmosphere, or who's really controlling the game. When I watch the games or even the, for a couple of the clips, it looks like tax, Texas is, they're both throwing punches, yeah. whoever the other team is. Um, so that's kind of crazy that people are already trying to get rid of him or <laughs> wanting him to be gone. And you're in a, you're in a dogfight of a conference. So yeah, that that's and insane. That's and I think insane. there's one thing that people aren't realizing when it comes to this Orani Terry situation, and they're not giving him any grace on, is that 
he had two five stars committed to Texas, Ron Holland and AJ Johnson. And then in the middle of the summer, they decommit. Or at least second half of the semester, they decommit. Trying to replace two five five stars with transfers isn't easy. And these guys, AJ Johnson, he's doing his thing in the Australian League right now. Ron Holland doing his thing in the G League uh, Ignite team. But they're guys that are playmakers, right? They put the ball in the hoop. What is the one thing that Texas is missing? <laughs> Dudes on the perimeter that could put the ball in the hoop. And so it was unfortunate that they lost the two guys that low-key were going to fill the need of this roster. And no one's giving grace mm-hmm. to Rodney Terry about that. Because guess what? Rodney Terry helped recruit those dudes. Let's give him credit for that. He helped recruit them to get them to commit. Now, he wasn't able to get them to sign and stay at Texas. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles when it comes to this new age of NIL. And when it comes to the, especially basketball, we can go to the G League or go overseas and, and play professional ball before going to the league. And so I think that's the one thing that no one's giving grace on is that they don't have the guys that were supposed to be the playmakers outside of Max Acemas, the ball scorers outside of Max Acemas on the perimeter, you know? And so now you take them out the equation and you're trying to fit Kendall Weaver into that position or you're trying to fit Ethel Horton to that position where they're just not ready yet. Now you expected Tyrese Hunter to be one of those guys. I will say that. But since he's not, they don't have an answer. And unfortunately, they're going to have to win games defensively. And last night, they weren't able to get the stops when they needed it because they were getting hounded on the offensive boards. And I just think that's the situation right now at UT. And that's just the way that that's just the situation they're in, you know? And so can they win games defensively? That's going to be the question for the rest of this season. And I was going to ask you, do you, do you think that is going to be an easy task? Do you think that's something they can fix? Do you think, I mean, they played... Number 25, TCU. It doesn't next. get easier. Uh, they play I- <laughs> number 12, <laughs> Iowa State. Um, I mean, do you think this is something that they can try to fix and maybe try to, you know, uh, like you say, they are towards the bottom of the standings. Do you think that's something they can, you know, try to move up? Um, I mean, what are you thinking when it comes to the rest of this uh, this conference play? Yeah, you only got you only got what you got. Right. It's like they can't go sign nobody and then join a roster. Like it's not how this thing works. And so, yeah, ain't no trials like TCU women's basketball, you know, (laughs) but like and I think that's why that's a question of. Can you fix it? I don't know, because I don't know if you have the guys to fix it. You know, I do feel like and to me, I've said this before and I actually was I was talking to Jamal Shedd's dad before the game and his dad asked me, like, what what's up with Tyrese? Like, how good is he basically? And I honestly told him, I said, Tyrese is the X factor on his team. If Tyrese goes out there and he's aggressive and he's out there scoring baskets and attacking the rim, like he usually was doing at Iowa State his freshman year. And then even last year he had moments. But this year, you only saw it really against Baylor in this Big 12 conference play where he attacked the rim aggressively and was kind of the engine to that offense when Max wasn't doing his thing. When Tyrese is playing like that, this team is great. But when he's not and when he's kind of lackadaisical on offense or even just disappearing a little bit, this offense just doesn't go the way it should go. And so I think if they're able to get what we know we have in Tyrese, you know, he's a baller. And if he can perform like that on offense, then yes, that's how you fix it. And then you have a guy in Kendall Weaver who's now starting to get 
a little bit more talk, right? Uh, it's been the last couple of weeks where a lot of the Texas fans have been acknowledging Kendall for his effort on defense, for now he's even guarding the best player on the other team. Last night, he was one-on-one -on -one against Jamal Shedd, and he's actually one of the ones that caused, he actually is the one that caused that air ball by Jamal at the end of the game. Ironically enough, he's the one guarding him. And so Texas fans aren't the only ones witnessing the rise of Kendall Weaver. We actually have a soundbite from Coach Sampson, U of H head coach, talking about Kendall Weaver and his effort defensively and how good this kid is. Their guards really played well. You know, the guy that's really made a difference on their team, I think their best defensive guard is Weaver. He knows how to use his athleticism. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys that are athletes that, um, you know, they'd have to study to pass a blood test. They, they have no idea uh, how to use their athleticism. He really uses athleticism well. He's got a low base. He's got great feet. He really, he, uh, he might have had something to do with the, that shot. Maul took it into regulation just because how good his defense was. When you have a kid like him setting a standard, it makes the other guys better. So I'm not taking anything against any other kids, but I'm gonna sit here and give a big shout out to the uh, Weaver kid. He's tough. He's a he's 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 an athlete that plays athletic. Okay, two things there, Dion. First off, before we get into that soundbite, what does he mean by you have to study to pass a blood test? Yeah, if anybody knows, <laughs> if, maybe that's probably the only part we're lost. No, there's not. Uh, the, could just break that the down. The other thing was like he's an athlete that knows how to use his athleticism. I I get well, it. I I kind of understand. I kind of understand because you know there are some people that they just they're clumsy. Yeah. Like you you have all the builds. You six eight. You two forty. You got everything. All the assets. And you'd be the first one to trip over your own feet. So okay. I, I get what he okay. means by that. Um, but yeah, the blood the blood test part, I, I don't know. Maybe he's <laughs> saying that he's he's got some God given stuff that you know somebody has to take yeah. you know uh, performance enhancing <laughs> drugs. I guess I, I don't know, but I could be yeah, wrong. But, you need to decide yeah. for that. But other than that, though, great stuff, right? That's, that's some big, big praise because it's Coach Sampson. And if you follow basketball, you know that Coach Sampson loves defense and he loves toughness. And for another coach to call and shout you out, to me, says a lot about what he saw on the court and what he's also been seeing on film. And so, Kendall Weaver, props to you. Now you're getting recognition. But mind you, UT Arlington transfer, Mav up, you feel me? Got the little, got the, got the Mav up out here doing his thing. And so um, just, it's just a great thing to see the development of Kendall Weaver and what he's becoming. But the problem is right now, offensively, he does struggle, you know? And so if you're going to have him out there, it's going to be kind of tough. And low key at the end of the game, coach talked to us and said that they wanted Kendall to have the ball in his hands because they felt like they had the best matchup for that position. And to be honest, Kendall lost that matchup. He couldn't get by his defender. He couldn't blow by him. And so then that resulted in a kind of scramble type of play towards the end of the game. And once you have that situation happening, it's kind of like, man, we love you having you on the court for your defense. But when we need you on offense, you got to give us something, right? Uh, and I think that's the next step for growth for Kendall. You know, ball handling wise, shooting wise. That's going to be something he needs to work on over the summer. 
But for right now, though, this is all you got. You know, you got a defensive dog, and you got to live with it. And I, I think if somehow they can get production from somewhere else on the perimeter, this team will be fine. And the sky is not falling. But I will say they have a limited amount of time to figure it out. Because you, you just listed TCU, Iowa State, and then Kansas is right on the horizon. Um, they got to win at least at least two of those three, in my opinion, to kind of be back in that conversation. If they have a shot at winning this conference, and even getting a, a pretty solid seed in the NCAA tournament. Bet. And, you know, before we jump to the interviews, do you have any updates on uh, Madison Not Booker? Not really. Uh, yeah. You said that she was injured. Yeah, all we did, Madison didn't play in her last game um, against Cincinnati. And that was a shock, though. I will say that. I'm over here shooting the game, and I'm like, where, where's Madison? You know? <laughs> They're doing the starting lineups, and Madison's not in the starting lineup. So I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on? Eventually found out that she tweaked her hammy in practice. Now, apparently, she hurt that hammy uh earlier this year but she's been playing through it but then at practice last week she had a misstep tweaked it and it was just too too much for her to play through even though she really wanted to play of course and the reason why she wanted to play is because not only does she wants to win and she's a competitor but her parents came down from mississippi to watch her play against cincy and i guess they didn't get the news until too late and they still came down they were here in austin and weren't able to see their daughter play because, you know, she got hurt. So uh, that was a very unfortunate situation. You know, they made the trip all the way down. But that's the way some situations happen. Uh, and so right now the update is that Madison is hopefully day-to-day. That's what Coach Schaefer said after the game. He didn't say she was day-to-day. I will say that. He said hopefully that she's day-to-day. Um, so we haven't got an update since. And the hard part is they have Kansas State pretty soon. And when you have a top 10 team coming up, coming to the Moody Center, you got to have, you got to have Madison Booker, you know, you got to. So we'll see. We'll see if that training staff can get her ready. And I think that if she is even at 75%, 80%, she'll probably play just because that's who she is. And uh, hopefully she's available because that's a big time matchup, especially when it comes to big 12 standings. All right, man. I look, let's uh let's go ahead and jump to these interviews, man. man. We got a lot, a lot, a lot of great sound bites, a lot of great content. Um, I mean, do you want to introduce? Yeah, the man, first we person? got a homie from back in the day. So he was actually covering Waco sports for our sister station KCEN, but now he's you know a little upgrade. Upgrade ya. Yeah, what you know about that, Dion? Nice little song. Come on now. Oh, chill out, chill out. But now he's out in San Francisco <laughs> working for CBS. My boy, Matt Lively. He's actually also a Cronkite grad, by the way. Arizona State, they love to say that. So I got to throw that out there as well. And he's a TikTok superstar. He's been doing his thing and a really great golfer. I will say that too. So Matt Lively, here's an interview with him. Hope you love it. He covers the San Francisco 49ers. Now he's headed to the Super Bowl to cover them in the biggest game of the year. So here's our interview. Man, Matt, bro, how you doing today? Yo, what's going on, guys? Thanks so much for having me on. Man, I'm excited. Excited. A little I didn't bring my coffee. No one told me to bring coffee. I would have had like... <laughs> Here, I got it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Hey, we need that, though. Everyone gets sick nowadays. Yeah, COVID's, going, COVID's running wild, man. 
Man, I'm telling you, I just got a text two minutes ago saying I got the vid. I'm like, stay away from Oof. me then. Yeah, Oof. facts, facts. But, you know, hopefully no one gets sick for the Super Bowl because you, you'll you be going there pretty soon. Oh, my goodness, the 49ers. And let's just talk about this game, right? You go into this game, Detroit Lions, man, they start off, they punch the 49ers in the mouth, right? Go right down the times. field. Jamison mm. Williams with the end around, scores a touchdown. And then 49ers get the ball. They drive down, but the Lions stop them, force them to a field goal, miss the field goal. And so from that moment, I thought, wow, Detroit came to play. And eventually yeah. at halftime, you're looking at the scoreboard. Detroit's up 24 to 7. And we're all thinking, what the heck is happening right now? <laughs> what was going on through your mind when the halftime hit, Matt? All I thought was Journey was about to play at halftime. And everybody knows the most popular Journey song, Don't Stop Believing." And I'm just <laughs> like, man. I hope that this is actually some foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the second half. Like everyone, everybody was stunned in the press box. I actually looked at another reporter in the market and I said, do you know the warrior schedule for next week? Stop. Cause like we got it. We just got to like pivot here, I guess. Like, I guess the season's just over, you know, you, you it, it, you know, you're not rooting for the team. Uh, yeah. Like we're journalists, we're reporters, but it's nice when the team that you cover does go far. If we're being um, real. Yeah, it would be real. Of course. You know, you get more opportunities in this industry when the teams that you cover do well. So I'm kind of shell-shocked. Like, from a game perspective, if you've ever played Mario Kart, like, it felt like David Montgomery had the star. Uh, like, he got one of the star, and, like, no one could no one could take him down. Like, mm -hmm. they, Detroit was getting whatever they wanted to with the run. I think at one point Montgomery was averaging, like, 6.7 yards per carry. So he was picking up a first down after uh, the second down on every – every drive there, it was just like shell shock that it was, it had gone so poorly. And after they played so poorly against green Bay the week before it was like, all right, they're not, they're certainly not going to have another one of these performances, right? Wrong. Like just immediately kicked in the mouth and then laid down in that first half. Yeah. But then the second half started mm. and the Detroit, journey, I feel like I know a journey, right? Don't stop believing. <laughs> um, and I think for me, it was a pivotal point when Detroit goes down the field. They're still up 14. Fourth down, they go for it instead of kicking mm -hmm. the field goal and making a three-score lead. That's, I feel like that was the moment when it was like, you got to keep putting your foot in their necks and go get points. You're up by two scores. Instead, Detroit goes for it, doesn't get it. 49ers get the ball back, go down the field, scores a touchdown. And then, of course, that next drive, Jameer Gibbs fumbles. Another touchdown. So I'm wondering, from your perspective, after talking to the guys, did any of them mention when they felt like the turning point happened for them in that second half? As players often do, they really downplayed it. Like, they, they said they came out in the second half knowing that they were going to make a run. I think the fumble was, was honestly probably the point where you felt like things were going to turn. But let's go back to the fourth down really quick. So that was... That was yeah. uh, up 14, I still felt like that was the right call. Okay. If you look at what the Detroit Lions have done all year long, mm -hmm. that's why they're there, right? Like, yeah. Dan Campbell is an aggressive coach. You know that when you play the Lions, you have to defend them differently on third down and play them a little tighter because they're going to go for it on fourth down. That's what makes them so scary and aggressive and good. There's a reason the Lions got to that game, and it wasn't by playing scared. And Dan Campbell said after the game, he felt like, he being aggressive and shove like you know pedal to the metal was going for it. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, you can even go back to the, the Cowboys game. That that uh, last play of that's just I I thought that's that's just how they were playing the whole game. So 
I didn't yeah. think it was a bad call, but you know, I guess it's a double-edged sword when they <laughs> the team comes back and completely right. shatters your hopes. Like, oh crap! Uh, like you know, it's just like basketball. You win, you win by the three, you die by the three. Exactly, and they had the play. I mean, uh, yeah, Josh Reynolds dropped. dropped it. It was just a drop. Like they had it. The, now it, the second fourth down, which maybe you want to ask me about later. I wouldn't have gone for that one. At that okay. point, the game has completely shifted. You have to be aware of the situation you're in now. Take the points. Because now the Niners are driving with nobody. You're, like, you're not stopping the Niners mm-hmm. now. That like They've caught fire. You need to take the points. So, Yeah, definitely a double-edged sword, especially when you come to Dan Campbell. And like you said, they've been doing that all year long. And yeah. So that's something that they live by. Uh, and that's what they built their culture around. It just... You didn't think it would happen in an NFC championship where it comes back around and bites you in the butt. <laughs> no. You know, like, no. what are the odds of that happening? And, you know, what also was kind of funny going into the game was the CJ Gardner-Johnson talk, you know, with mm. Debo Samuel. And we're actually going to run this clip before we get into it about what CJ said about Debo right now. Listen, don't be friendly when you see me. Because you be so flashy. You better hope. Well, you better hope all that talking be doing when we see y'all, whatever round it may be. Because I can guard you. You can't run routes. You're a running back. You're a running back. You know, I ain't going to sit here and play with you, little boy. Because you got a little bag. People gave you a little clout. Man, you ain't nothing, bro. So, Matt, you heard it. Uh, Debo's not a wide receiver. He's a running back, clearly. Uh, that's what they, they say on the streets. And Debo took that personally, I'm guessing. Yes or no? Oh, yeah. Of course he of course he did. And I mean, Debo early on in the week, we didn't even know if he was gonna play. He was held out of practice on Wednesday. And I mean, playing in an NFC championship game alone, that's enough motivation to get healthy and get right. But of course, did he want to stunt on on uh, CJ Gardner Johnson? Yes. <laughs> yes, and they did. <laughs> they just straight up did. Uh, actually Brandon Ayuk posted after the game a photoshopped version no. of his jersey where he had like Photoshop the number off the back of the jersey because just to kind of reference like you're nobody. <laughs> oh my goodness. Which is which uh, is uh which is pretty dirty. Um yeah, I love it though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean CJ Gardner Johnson talks a lot. Like this isn't the first time we've heard him talk. I think my favorite one it was actually earlier on in the season, uh where like reporters in the in the uh locker room are like, Why like what's the ski mask about? And he's like, That's the culture here now. Like I want all the fans to be wearing one and then they they like lost the Seahawks in week two and then like the Seahawks are in their locker room with the mask on. I'm like, uh, damn. Well, then he was talking trash to Baker Mayfield before that game. And then, which Bay. unfortunately, unfortunately, he got a tip ball interception in that yeah. game, which stunk because I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I when it comes to trash talk, I love it. We in the media love it. It gives us something to talk about. But um, I know how good Debo Samuel is, and it just feels it feels weird to go after a guy who legitimately is is that good. Yeah. Um, like, he's going to make you pay for it, and he did. Now, low-key, I have that. Oh, you got something, D? I was going to say, just talking about Gardner Johnson, I mean, did any of the uh, Niners mention him waving it to the crowd uh, at halftime? No, I don't think by the time we talk to them, we haven't talked to them since after the game. Um, I'm sure that will be asked later. I don't, I'm don't. i sure some of them hadn't seen that. I didn't see it until I got home that night, honestly. Um, you know, like when you're in the press box, you're not watching a lot of the TV feed. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see it. Um, and, and honestly, the Niners are a team that will not really engage in a lot of talk with us. Um, we'll ask about certain things and they, they're, they're pretty good at downplaying it. It's a really veteran leadered, 
uh, locker room. And they don't really let a lot of that get out to the public of how they're really feeling until after the game. And then they'll talk it. They walk it, and then they'll talk it. And you know who, to me, shows that a lot? Brock Purdy. I mean, <laughs> every time he made a play throughout the game, and I, want, I was watching intently to see if he was going to do this, he never celebrates. Never, never, never celebrates. Even after running for 15-yard first down, you know, you would think he'll do the whole, like, <laughs> little, little sniff like C.D. Lamb or something, you know, but he doesn't do that. He gets up, no, shakes off a little, little grass on his shoulder and walks right back to the huddle. And so you have a guy, mystery relevant, second year in the league, taking a team to the Super Bowl, honestly leading a lot of the passing categories in the league, and then making plays with his feet, even though he's not known to be an athletic quarterback, and just making the plays to win games each and every week. Why do people hate him, Matt? I don't understand the outside noise of Brock's not good enough. He doesn't deserve to be here. He has all this talent. That's the only reason why he's winning. What is it about this narrative? And how does the team feel about that? Knowing that they have a guy that they all believe in, but it seems like no one else outside of that building does. Uh, yeah, if you find out the answer, let me know about why people hate Brock. Like, it, it baffles me. The locker room is fed up with it. Mm. Like They think it's such a joke. Fred Warner, actually, after the game, was talking to NBC Sports uh, Bay Area here, and he said, uh, he's pretty good for a system quarterback, isn't he? Mm. Pretty good for a system quarterback. Like He was just mocking kind of the national media. Here's what it is. In my mind, he's like an easy target because of his draft spot. You can make the Tom Brady comparison of where they were drafted. And when Tom Brady was in the league, regardless of how many Super Bowls he had, don't you remember on first take every Monday morning after a Patriots loss back in those like mid-2010s, Skip or Stephen A, this is it. Brady's done. Yeah. It's over. over And then like the very next week, like Brady would just absolutely destroy a team and then probably inevitably win the Super Bowl at the end of the year. Brock Purdy's kind of that same flavor of – we're going to get a lot of – he's kind of like uh, a polarizing figure because of his draft stock. A lot of people don't think he's real as a quarterback, although I don't know how many times you have to go out there and, and show how good you are to prove you're real. I'm, I'm like – I'm going to say right now I think there's like at least 20 other teams in the NFL that if Brock Purdy became available tomorrow would be like, we'll take him. Mm-hmm. We'll, like, there's a lot of teams that don't have a guy like Brock Purdy. Um, and I just think he's a guy that probably gets clicks for a lot of these national media guys. And I think as you – you know, a lot of the national media guys aren't watching as intently as I think the general public yeah. wants to believe. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate to break this to a lot of people, but Stephen A. Smith is not watching your team like you think he's watching your team. Right. He's probably getting a one-minute highlight tape of something. Um, and I don't know what Skip Bayless is doing. Uh, I don't yeah. know if he's ever watched a Skip game. You know, like, that's outside... a... <laughs> right, so so it's just kind of a joke to me um, that he gets the hate that he does because he's, he's really good. Like, he's a really good quarterback, and... He's probably just a guy that fell through the cracks in the draft. Um, I mean, I remember when he was at Iowa State, I personally didn't, you know, think much. Um, at no point was I like, man, this is the next guy. Mm-hmm. But that there's a reason that there are NFL scouts and there are front offices that do a whole lot more digging than we do. And when it comes to Brock, though, like, it seems like, like you mentioned, everyone loves the dude. What is he like with media? How does he kind of go about it? Does he talk about that outside noise of people <laughs> not liking him? Or does he brush it off? He is the most buttoned up, um, 
media savvy, like young quarterback <laughs> yeah. I've ever been around. Yeah. There's not a lot to nothing, like. Huh? Brock nothing. Brock doesn't give us a lot um, because he's just business. Like he's yeah. he's just like all business. Um, and he said before, you know, there's like two different kinds of Brocks, like the Brock with us, then the Brock in the locker room, and then like the Brock that takes the field. And we get to see a very like toned down version. I would, I would think of the guy who's a really successful quarterback that plays with a lot of fire, but he's really buttoned up with the media. Um, he's never going to give us like too much, I would say, yeah. uh, which isn't a bad thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure the 49ers love that. Like they don't, they don't need a quarterback that goes out there and talks to the media and calls that other teams uh, and gives, gives bulletin board materials, just not him. And he's also a really humble guy. I got to inter- I got to finally meet and interview his dad after the game, and you kind of get you kind of get it. It kind of clicks. His dad's super humble, um, like really just like a nice guy that probably has a really nice son who's not going to go out there and say anything crazy. So uh, it, it kind of all clicked for me when I Run when I family, had that basically. interview. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So just a humble dude. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 crazy because again I was we were talking to Corey before this like yo, I mean there's there's analysts that feel like they were ready to fight over Brock if you <laughs> like him if you don't like him I've probably only heard three clips of him in this last two years so it's kind of crazy that he's like you say he's polarizing that people really you love right. or hate him for whatever reason right um, and you know speaking about last year um, after last year how last year ended. Um, did you have a sense of how bad this team wanted to get back to, you know, in this position? Yeah. So I, I mean, to be transparent, I, I, I got, I got here in July, mm-hmm. so I didn't get to cover that last team, but I came in right from the start of training camp and, and all of that, this team clearly wanted to get back here because you could tell after the Packers win, how emotional some of the guys were mm-hmm. like Kyle Juszczyk was close to tears in the locker room, talking about how emotional it is just to get to an NFC championship game. And he was talking about how everything has to go right. Like you can be a really good team, but an injury derails you as it did last year in the NFC championship game with Brock. But um, they were also really cognizant to say like, that's last year. We don't care about that anymore. Even when they played the Eagles, uh, they really downplayed how much that game was meant to them because they were like, Hey, at the end of the day, the Eagles didn't get the job done either. Like they didn't win a Super Bowl, So we were both left unsatisfied. Uh, and they were just like, that's last year. It's a different, we're a new team. It's a different quest. So I think clearly they wanted it, but I don't think for th- those reasons. I just think every every team in the National Football League comes into each year with a clean slate and they want to win a Super Bowl. And now, Matt, before we get you out of here, because I know you got Super Bowl things to take care of because you're big time now. You know what I'm saying? Little old me out in Austin, you know, you out there. Uh, get out time, of here. Get time. out of here. But get out of here. What are the vibes like in San Francisco right now? Because I feel like everyone mm. outside of San Francisco and Kansas City did not want this matchup. I mean, if you look at the timeline yeah. on Twitter, people are talking <laughs> yeah. about this is this is one of the worst Super Bowl matchups in a while. So yeah, Very like in San Francisco, what's the vibes like? And uh are you seeing that too? So I, I completely understand. It was like the Niners versus the world in the <laughs> NFC Championship. I, I get it. How cool would it have been to have seen Detroit finally go to a Super Bowl? This is very, you know, reminiscent of like the Cubs in 2016. Like you want the, the little Cubbies to finally win a World Series. You wanted the Lions. I don't understand the take of like this is going to be a bad game. Mm-hmm. Like you have the number one seed in the NFC against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it's probably going to be a great game if we're being honest. But – 
people here in San Francisco could care less about what everybody else is feeling about these, this game. People are amped up here. Um, whether, you know, however you want to look at it, it's been a 29 year drought for a really storied franchise. You have a lot of Niner fans who it's a little before our time, but like they were spoiled beyond belief. They were the Patriots of the late eighties and nineties. Like they were just winning, winning, winning. And now they haven't won and they've been on the stage twice and lost both times. So Fans are nuts. I was getting texts from my friends in the city. Um, if you don't know, Santa Clara is like an hour south. So that's where the Niners actually play now. They play like an hour south of the city wow. um, where I live and like where, where, you know, most I'd say younger people are. We're all in San Francisco and the bar scene was absolutely insane. Uh, what'd, you, what'd you do that night, Matt? Um, what'd you do that night, bro? Well, what I do that night, bro? Uh, I rolled back into my house about one thirty. <laughs> I mean, you know how it is after a game. You got live hits and shows yeah, and yeah. tapings, and and then you got the hour. You know, there's like an hour plus drive back from Santa Clara. Um, oh, at that God. point, I think everybody yeah. had already had their fun. But I, I did hear of some stories of uh, some potential like public urination in front of very prominent bars uh, in the San Francisco area. And it, it, it was, it was rowdy. I, from what I understand, it was a rowdy atmosphere. <laughs> Give us a name, man. Give us a yeah. name. <laughs> We're not going to be. Yeah. Just, just, just in case San Francisco PD is watching, I'll censor it. I don't want anybody going to jail before the Super Bowl, but yeah, I, it, it was a, I mean, people love the Niners yeah. here. Like, you know, covering Texas. Mm -hmm. um, Crazy. And like Baylor fans are great, but Baylor fans aren't like rabid. Some of them are, but like as a collective, like Baylor's not like a really rabid fan base, I'd say. So I hadn't really experienced a crazy, crazy fan base. And then I got here and I'm like, oh, okay, this is what it's like. Like these people are in love with their teams. They got the tattoos of like Jerry Rice down their arm and then like Montana on this side and then like the Lombardi trophy, like on their forearms, like people love the Niners here. So it is no surprise that the vibes are very high right now. Well, man, Matt, hopefully you'll be able to celebrate a little bit in the next week or so. Uh, and we'll see you with a tat, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Channel five, baby. Channel five right here. Oh man. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. Hey. I'll get the CVS logo like right here. Just the eye. Proud of you. Hey, that's a nice little, that's a nice little addition though. You got any tats? By the way, no, I want to, I do want to, I do want to get a tattoo, but I'm so indecisive nah, that every time I'm like, I'm going to get this like a day later, I'm like, what, what is this going to look like in 30 years? Like, is it going to be stupid in my mind? So I tell people all the time and you know, just throwing this out there. When white people get tats, they look so clean, bro. <laughs> they look so clean, like a sleeve. Oh my, cause you can uh, see maybe, it. Maybe, you know, a dark skin dude like me. I can't, okay. Dark all right. Like me, bro, yeah, hold on. Don't really, it don't really come out like that. What's up? What's Time up? Out. What's up? You know me, bro. Me with a sleeve, people would just laugh at me. Man, they'd, be like, they'd be like, is that is that like a fake is that like a fake like sleeve he bought on Amazon? Like this dude's corny. Oh, no, come on. Man. Nobody's nobody's buying man. that from me. But like maybe maybe some nice yeah, tattoos, bro. just a couple. So That's so. the plan. You look good, man. You look <laughs> man. good. We'll continue doing your thing out there in the bay, bro. I love watching your work. I see all the work you do. Where can people find you? Uh throw your tags out on Twitter, TikTok, all that. Yeah, everywhere at Matt B Lively. Matt be lively and uh, hey, tune into CBS Bay Area Paramount Plus during the Super Bowl. We got everything running. Mm, nice little plug. Nice little plug. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Matt, for hopping on, man. I really appreciate it. And 
Can we talk to you in a couple of weeks before the Super Bowl? Is that cool? For sure, for sure. Dion Corey, it's been fun. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, great interview from Matt. That's my guy, dude. I messed with him. But Dion, the way he talked about Brock, right? What you what stood out to you? I mean, it that's kind of how I imagined it. Like I say, um, it's crazy how people are riding hard. Pause. Like they either ride you either riding for <laughs> You either salute with Brock, right? That's your dog, or you just hate Brock. You know what I mean? And it's just crazy. Like I say, from all year, from even last year, I've probably heard him talk maybe mm. three, three times. Um, and he dresses like he dresses like you know a cool guy, just like a Come PE on, teacher. Some people. <laughs> some people may say, you know. So it just seems like what we get, what we see, is exactly how he plays. Um, even you mentioned that. He's calm, cool, collected, yeah. even on big plays. Doesn't celebrate. He's just... That's that's one thing that, to me, that stood just, out. He just doesn't celebrate. He just gets up and walks right back to the huddle. Like, yeah, I did that. Cool. We still got to score a touchdown. You know, and I, I respect that from Brock. And the fact that he doesn't talk like that in front of media as well means that, like, to me, he's consistent. You know, it's not just a show. Like, that's who he really is. And I think Matt showed that and talked about that just now. So... Great stuff for Matt, but now let's flip over to the other side of the Super Bowl matchup, right? Yeah, we got him. He's back. Bag to bag. Two time. Yeah, bag. Aaron Ladd, Channel 41 sports reporter slash anchor. Mizzou grad, by the way. He also is a Arrowhead Pride contributor. He has his own podcast with Mark Gunnels. Y'all should go check it out. And I met this dude at National Association of Black Journalists. Real cool cat. And if you missed last week, you missed a great one. But you're not going to miss him this week. So here we go. Aaron Ladd, we're talking about the Chiefs. All right, we're back, baby. Aaron, you just had to get some more Moe's Nose Pot, huh? You had to get a little... little Can't stay away, man. Back again, back again. No, we're we're thankful that you're here again. And I'm happy for you because the only reason why you're back again is because the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl, bro. (laughs) Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. Oh, man. How does it feel? What was that moment like when y'all were able to get... Not y'all. My apologies. We know how this business goes. When the Chiefs were able to get back to the promised land after a year that really wasn't what people expected. This is starting to become business as usual. You know, it's no longer uh, it's no longer excited to be there. Now the expectation is to go out there and win it. And it kind of felt like that. I was kind of jotting down some notes from this game. I felt like Kansas City really won the emotional edge in this game. Like, you could tell that I was in Baltimore for like 56 hours. I did not even explore the city for real. I landed, went to the hotel. Next day, woke up, went to the game. But even like in the little stops, like I went to Walmart to get a little rain jacket or something like Everybody was anxious. You could feel that the city was like trying to rise to the occasion kind of a little bit. First time that the Ravens had ever hosted an AFC championship game. And like, I felt like the Ravens kind of tried to play to that. Like, you're not going to come in here and and uh, beat us in our house type thing. Like the Zay Flowers frustration to me was kind of point of that. Like he cuts his hand in frustration after the fumble, after the big catch before that, stands over Snead. Like it was just it was uh it was cool to see them host that, but I feel like Kansas City kinda leaned on their playoff experience in that moment and uh it was uh it, it was another moment where Casey can say we proved ourselves, another road playoff game. Mahomes was hearing all the noise and chirping about can you do it in Buffalo? These last two wins in my opinion, at Buffalo, at Baltimore, the two most impressive wins in the league this year. 
Man, it's almost like you're reading our script for the questions we're going to ask you, because that's exactly where I was going to go next in the sense of the road to get here. And even before the playoffs, right? Let's let's just backtrack into middle of the season. People are complaining about the wide receivers dropping passes, questions of if they're even going to make the playoffs. That was a conversation throughout this year. There was a point when people were wondering, was this team even going to make it to the postseason? Then you go to week 13 against the Las Vegas Raiders. You lose that game. Another situation where people are talking about, are they even the same Chiefs? Are they going to do anything in the postseason? And then go out, play in the coldest game ever against the Miami Dolphins, thrash them, go on the road, defeat the hottest team in the NFL at the time against the Buffalo Bills. And then you beat the MVP of this year in Lamar Jackson at the bank. Is this the most impressive run that Patrick Mahomes has made, in your opinion, in his career? Heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at who they had out there at wide receiver. The questions were loud very recently. Like, going back to the Vegas game, heck, even going back to the Buffalo game before that, where it's the Canarius Tony lines up offsides and erases what was one of the greatest touchdowns of all time. Like, so sad. we saw this massive frustration. And, like, we saw a crack in Kansas City's mental, mental mindset. Like, these dynasties, I talk about this on platform all the time, like these dynasties are so fragile. Look at Golden State. Look at what has happened since they have won their last title. Like the our frustration, the like try to keep it together, the realization that, hey, maybe we don't have it. Like we started to see some cracks in the armor for KC towards the end of the regular season. Like the, the, the questions were loud and the, the path, the Miami, Buffalo, Baltimore path, those were the three highest teams in the league this year as the point differential is concerned. Like, you you beat the teams that were at the best. Like, people have the DVOA conversation with the Ravens, top two team of all time. Like, Lamar Jackson looked like a shell of himself. They scored mm-hmm. 31 or more points at home the last seven games. They scored, they had seven through three and some change quarters, basically, until Tucker gets the late field goal. Like, if they're able to beat the Niners, which obviously they have quarterback questions and then Ken Brock Purdy play in the Super Bowl, those kind of things. But like Kyle Shanahan has proven that he can get to this game. If the Chiefs can once again top them and best them and have now beaten what was that's the one seed in the in the, in the NFC as well. This is this is one of the craziest years ever for Mahomes and definitely one of those legacy type years for him. And you talked and about it. I got. Let me get the next question because yeah, he did. Yeah, he, about did to say he did bring up his name. He did bring up his name because we have to discuss this before we get to e- any further. Um, that's Cap. Can we talk about? Can we talk about? And do you have some insight uh, on this mystery of uh, Mr. Tony um, saying, you know, injury report saying he's injured. He's getting on IG Live saying that's Cap. <laughs> Um, do you have any insight on that, that whole situation? It's funny because these were the, the same things that Canary's Tony said about the Giants when he was over there, nice. that he was on injury reports, then wasn't actually hurt. My bad on that. Let me, let me quiet that. Dear dang. Um, Canary's, man, I don't have any insight on that. I don't, it was wild, the timing of it. I think that he's trying to forced Kansas City's hand. And we've seen Richie James kind of do something similar this year in KC, another wide out where he was kind of in this purgatory kind of star. Uh, he was kind of in this purgatory where KC was trying to figure out how to use him. Um, Canarius Tony is a superior athlete, but I don't know if he's a great football player. And Kansas City, the way that they run, it's militaristic. Like Andy Reid 
as a way that he runs. He has a proven system. This man has been in the National Football League for, for 20 plus years. Like, you're going to fall in line with how they do business. And for KT, I don't know if he can always show up to practice on time, commit to doing the practice hours, commit to doing a lot of this stuff outside of the building that what it takes to be a part of the system in KC. You got to buy in. Um, you got to absolutely buy yeah. in. And, and, and when Pat comes to you in a game with the ball like that, that's him putting his trust in you. Can can you hold up your end of the bargain? Like, it wasn't just that he was dropping balls. There were multiple games this year where he was tipping the passes into the defenders' hands <laughs> and they scored. The Detroit Lions game that happened. Like the New England Patriots game that almost happened had the had the defender not gotten tackled. Like he was directly leading to them <laughs> hurting themselves. And like nobody is arguing with his talent, yeah. right? Like that the 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 punt return in the Super Bowl in Super Bowl Fifty Seven to beat the Eagles, like that was a game changing play. I a lot of people will argue here in Kansas City that the trade wasn't worth it, but like because he made that play, in my opinion, the trade will always be worth it. It was a third round pick and a conditional sixth round pick. It looks like his time in KC is over. I would be absolutely shocked if he played in the Super Bowl. But, like, I do think he still has value if you can keep him between the navigational beacons and say, KT, this is what we need from you. And, like, we need you to buy in, to your point. And before the game got kicked off, there is some video swirling around social media with Justin Tucker getting bullied. I mean, yeah. simply, that's what it getting looked like. Getting bullied. Looked getting like. bullied. Like oh, getting bullied. Guys. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, Poor Justin Tucker. Man. Oh Austin Zone, by the way. Austin Zone, Westlake alum. Bro, kick you acted hell. like they, 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 you acted like they flattened his his uh, footballs or something like that. <laughs> nah, Mahomes and Maado. Y'all got to chill, yo. What the freak? Mahomes and Bro, you're stupid. But, yeah, Aaron, was that a conversation at all after the game? Did y'all talk about how Travis Kelsey and Patrick were kind of moving their stuff? I saw Justin Tucker came out and said some things. But uh, did you hear anything from Patrick or Travis about that situation at all? This was one of those things I was kind of late to. Like, I saw it. Obviously, you always see things. But I didn't, like, really see every angle of it and hear everybody's side of it. So now this morning that I had a chance to, to digest it, there's some smoke here. Mm. And one video that really stood out to me was Travis picking up the helmet and tossing the helmet and tossing the footballs. Yes, I know that this is common practice. I understand what Tucker is saying, but that's common practice like early in the season. That's common practice when it's preseason. That's like AFC championship game, your first time hosting. There's been chirping leading into the week. I think you can find another spot on the field to do your warm-ups. And kind of to what we were talking about earlier with like the dynasty thing, like KC is barking now. They're embracing the villain role. Like with Taylor Swift in tow, they have heard all the noise about them not being able to do it again. And they saw Baltimore as another one of these Buffalo, Cincinnati, whatever, another team that felt like that they could knock down the throne. And this was one of those things that I think they took personally. Nah, warm up over there. Y'all, warm up over there. <laughs> warm up over there. Little bro, little boy. Because there, there was another skirmish over with somebody, Maulette, I think was the, the quarterback for for the Ravens that got caught in catching a, a stray early in war. I was like, there was a lot of things that kind of led up to Casey saying, all right, we've heard the noise. Y'all, y'all are not gonna warm up in our faces with your damn AFC kicker. The, the, the only you like, hey, best kicker of all time. Let's let's pay some respect. 
and the Chiefs would say Harrison Bucker got got that thing too. That's true. And he got great hair. He made he made the game winning kick in the AFC Championship last year, the game winning kick in the Super Bowl last year, and he was the only dude right behind Tucker in the AFC. Like I think I think those leaders. Uh, I'll finish on this with this one, Mike. Uh, KFC or KC? God damn, I'm saying KFC. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. What a naysayer! Oh my god. <laughs> Golly. That's freaking naysayer. Freaking naysayer, yeah. KC rotates their team captains throughout the year. So, like, anybody can be a captain in a regular season. But during the postseason, special teams has two, defense has two, offense has two, voted on by the team. Harrison Bucker's a team captain. Mm. Like, he's only missed two kicks all year. He, Patrick Mahomes has said multiple times, he's won us games. He made six field goals in the Cincinnati game in the regular season this year. Like, they're not gonna. They they're not. They hear when people say, "Oh, this guy is better than your guy." Like there's there's smoke to to Tucker trying to trying to, trying to warm up right next to Mahomes before they have some title. Game. That's that's weird. Okay, I respect that. Now you talked about being a villain, Dion. You had a question about that. Yeah, I was gonna ask as well. Um, I mean, immediately after I I've seen on my social media, I can at least say that. A lot of people do not want to see uh, the Niners in the, in the Super Bowl and even more the, the Kansas City Chief. Um, of course, in, you know, in Kansas, I mean, what do you or in Kansas City? What are you seeing? Like, what are you my close? Point. Yeah, <laughs> you're close. Kansas City. I live in Missouri, Kansas City. bro. You would get snuffed out for something like that around here. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'll get your bow. I'm going to get your elbow. But, but, but from, your, from what you're seeing, um, are they hearing the noise like, yo, from once upon a time, y'all were the NFL's darling. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to see Pat go do these great things. And to now it has changed and switched to, I mean, people are kind of have fatigue and don't really want to see uh, this Chiefs team in the Super Bowl again. Yeah, Chiefs Niners to me is like old dynasty versus new dynasty. That's what my initial reaction was. We've seen this version recently. And now we're seeing it again four years later. KC is crazy. Like when they were playing New England in their first AFC title of this run, the, the 2019 run, like everybody's rooting for Kansas City. Like nobody wants to see Brady do it again. We're tired of Brady and Belichick and their run. Like they're that same fatigue that we're hearing about now. KC has fully embraced this role. And I think it gives them an opportunity to kind of rejuvenate, right? Like when everybody's rooting for you, that kind of gets old. Like you, you got you kind of get complacent, especially in these like hyper competitive professional sport NFL type environments. Like it's easy to lose a step. It's easy to win every year while the team that has lost every year is still motivated to get there, and you just won it, and now you're thinking you're gonna get there. Like coaches say it every year. Like those teams were champions. We got to find a way to, for this bunch to become champions. And I think this team, specifically this 2023 team, like. They heard all the, the crap that they heard Kadarius Tony lining up to your point in Kansas instead of Missouri and wiping up and wiping away one of the best touchdowns ever. Like they heard the noise about Mahomes having a down year. Kelsey heard the noise about not having a thousand yard season and being distracted by dating somebody off the field and Andy Reid's retirement rumors. Like they have found a way. I don't know how, because I was one of the naysayers to your point. Like I didn't think it was possible that they would beat Miami and then go on the road and beat Buffalo and Baltimore. But a lot of it has been defense. Give credit to those guys. They've stepped up. Steve Spagnuolo mm. might have been his best coaching year ever. Not enough credit, by the way. That, Not enough. Like, yeah. no one's talking about the work that he's done until probably this last game against Baltimore. But all season long, that's been the foundation of this team. Is that the, And you mentioned it last week. 
you said that this defense is the reason why they're at this point. And so they proved it again on Sunday. Bro, they held Lamar to, I mean, he had 320 yards overall, but the Ravens as a whole, who were one of the best rushing offenses in the league, had 82 rushing yards. Like, I think Baltimore got way away from their identity. I was about to say, why yes, didn't they run but, the ball, though? But KC, like, you're not scoring, you're not scoring more than 25 points on them, mm. like, at all. Their, their defense is not going to allow them to be blown out. So even if they have me and you out there at wide out, like, they're still <laughs> – I would still bet on Mahomes getting three touchdowns, especially since they figured out the synergy and Kelsey has taken some Michael Jordan secret sauce these last few weeks uh, to figure out and unlock a new game. But he was 11 for 11 this last game. Nobody in NFL history has more postseason catches than he does. Like, this is rare air. This is this is absolute rare air. And you talked about the wideouts and how we could be out there and they'll still win. But... They had MBS out there, and you talked about the outside noise as well. There was a lot of chirping throughout the year with MBS dropping those passes. But, of course, the moment they needed him most, he stepped up. You were able to talk to him post-game. What was that moment like when you were on the field with him talking to him? When he, what did he talk about making that play at the end of the game to seal it? He's had a bad year. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Like, the Philly drop that he had on Monday Night Football was like a data point. And kind of word to what we were talking about, about frustration and body language, like the bad body language we saw after the Buffalo loss. There was some bad body language from MVS after that Eagles drop. And KC has steadily improved in the mental aspect ever since then. Like, I think MVS is one of those guys that he benefited from being around guys who lifted him up when it looked bad. He talked about that post game. You don't need much from him. Mm. I mean, the, the Vegas line, I think, going into that game was 13 and a half, which for a deep wall receiver is one catch. And he made two catches in the Buffalo game, which pretty much won that game for them. Mm. He made two catches in <laughs> in this game, and, and one of them sent them to the Super Bowl. And I do think there is something poetic about that, man, especially for a team that was down tremendously, considering uh, where they have been in the past, like, they weren't they're still like a top 10 offense so like we're, we're, we're still the scale is different when you have 15 back there but mbs over this playoff run has gone from a guy where you're like i don't want him on the roster anymore to like kind of being emblematic of what this year's team has been resilient and showing up when it matters the most man it's crazy how things can turn around uh, and things turn around quickly in a matter of 24 hours for texas grad charles amenahu uh, you talked to him after the game. Let's run that soundbite real quick for what he said after the game about his injury. He did get hurt during the game. After getting a very pivotal strip sack on Lamar Jackson, here's the soundbite that Aaron got out of the game. This is what I came here for, bro. This is exactly what I came here for. Make big plays, help the team win. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be good. Like I'll, I know I'm not done. I'm playing. I'm going to be straight. We're here. You're playing. You're playing at Super Bowl 58. Yes, yes. You think you I look like somebody's not gonna play in Super Bowl? No, I don't. I'm there. Come on, bro. Congrats, man. Go enjoy that. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so Aaron, <laughs> right after the game, he's saying, Do I look like a guy that's gonna miss the Super Bowl? And then <laughs> a day later, reports come out that he tore his ACL. So yeah, you are gonna miss the Super Bowl. What was that like? The 24 hour span and when you when you heard him say that, that's that's the thing I want to know from your angle. You yeah. know, I've been in your position. <laughs> like, you hear a guy say something and you're like, uh, I don't know you should be yeah. saying this right now. <laughs> what were you thinking when, when he was saying all that on the mic? Charles, man, hell of a soundbite. Uh, and definitely somebody I have a relationship with on the awesome. team. I, 
in that moment in time, I was like, bro, you have no idea. <laughs> you, like, the, these guys are so jacked up and they're so excited. Literally the same thing happened last year. I talked to McCole Hardman after the AFC title wow. game where he had kind of tried to rush back to the game, wasn't able to finish that game, played a little bit, but wasn't able to finish. And then after the game, he's like, you know what? I'm going to be good. We got two weeks. The players, that's like, that, you take a shot every time you hear that. Like, oh, we got the bye week. I'm going to be straight. I'm going to be good, whatever. He didn't play in that game. So I remember, like, after hearing that from Charles, I told him to talk about, like, we're going to have to run that, yes. Got but to. We, we don't know. And then, like, I saw him in the locker room after. He's not really moving around very well. You can do a lot of the body language stuff. Not that I talked to anybody or anybody would do anything, but, like, it was definitely something that we were monitoring. Because, like, to your point, like, he made one of the biggest plays in that game. It didn't lead to points for Kansas City, which was unfortunate. They got stopped on the fourth down Pacheco try. But, like, Charles and what he's offered to this team after his suspension, like, it's been invaluable. Like, they're, this is a team that was second in sacks for a second consecutive year. Like, he's a big part of that. The development of George Karloftis, who was a second-year player out of Purdue for them, who ended up getting double-digit sacks. Like, he's been a steadying, calming force. He talked about getting the sack and telling all his teammates right after that, calm down. And that goes back to your that goes back to the mental side, right? Like, KC has been in heavyweight fights. Like, a lot of heavyweight fights. Mahomes has played in 17 playoff games. Uh, Kelsey has played in 21 playoff games. Uh, Chris Jones has played in 16 playoff games. Andy Reid has coached in almost two seasons worth of playoff games. Like, they know what it takes and what the emotions of the moment hold. And, like, Charles is going to be sorely missed in the Super Bowl because I think he's another one of those guys. He's played for the Niners in these big time games and how poetic would it have been that for him to play against them in this game, he's going to be sorely missed But KC has some options on what they can do potentially to replace him. Yeah. They're deep on that defensive line. And now yep. that, that wasn't the only thing that happened post game though. Right. Dion. Yeah, man, we gotta, we gotta ask you about, uh, you know, the the man that that looks like he bites the ground is what they this said. This is the or? first time I've ever talked about this. Y'all are getting this before I'm even even talking about this on my platform. I mean, you got we have to talk about this uh, Isaiah Pacheco clip uh, really quick. Let's run it really quick just so y'all can know what clip I'm talking about. Don't ever mess me up with nobody ever in your life. So. As you can see, I mean, he looks like one of the little bad kids with silver teeth in their mouth growing uh, up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and can you just let us know what's going on in your mind? Uh, you know, did he pick up your phone for you afterwards? Like, No, he didn't pick uh, up my phone okay. for me afterwards. Because <laughs> I feel like that's a little, you know, like, we. I'm sure you may know him a little bit. So it's like, come on, bro. Like, that's that's a little rude. Like. So tell us your perspective. It was it was, it was definitely disrespectful. I yeah. felt my initial my initial thing was like, come on, man, really? But Corey, you know this, yeah. right? Like, there's a cool down period usually. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't ever talk to players right after right after yeah. a game. Like that never happens. Like it was harder to get onto the field at Arrowhead last year when they won it than it was to get on to Baltimore's field this year. Like I was running onto the field as the final seconds were coming wow. off. And this is the first time where I was like, oh, that's why we have the cool down period. Because for certain guys, like, they can kind of make the transition from game to post. Mm -hmm. And other guys, they really can't. They, they need a time for them to be around a team, 
for them to go from, okay, I'm in game mode to now I'm in like going home mode or I'm in talking to media mode. And I think Pacheco was just fired up after the game. I don't take anything yeah. more into that. I don't think that I said anything that he heard and he was pissed off at me. I think he just was in a lot of the feelings that a lot of the guys are feeling. We've been doubted all year. I heard all the noise about we weren't able to do it. And we just shut down the team that y'all crowned, essentially, uh, as the reigning champs. We successfully defended our AFC title, which is something that a lot of teams can't do. This team has done it now four times in the last five seasons. Like, it's, it's I, I don't take anything past that. We actually had, like, a one-on-one for, like, ten minutes on Wednesday. I saw that. So, like, I feel like if he didn't like me, he, he would have voiced those frustrations, <laughs> yeah, was... like, at that point in time. Like, I was going to ask, uh, did you have any Baltimore gear on? Like, why? <laughs> I did like, pick yeah. Baltimore. I did pick Baltimore. I, I'm sure, oh, like, okay. these guys these guys like to say that they don't. Well, some of them tell us that they do. And Chris Jones says, like, they, these guys here, okay. they know. I, I, I don't think that they, I don't think that he knew in that moment that's Aaron Lamb. I'm pissed at him because he picked Baltimore. I'm going to slap his phone out of his hand. But I think that he probably was just fine. Yeah, moment. big moment. A lot of emotions. A lot of emotions going on. Said take the high road. What I'm gonna do? Because I got a lot of those responses too. It's like, oh, did he slap it? He slap your phone out? You should go up to him. I'm like, you want me to snuff out Pacheco? Really? Me? Yes, dude. The dude that y'all said runs like he bites people. The dude that y'all said has a toothbrush that has no hairs on it. And like, what? What am I gonna do? Yeah, gotta come. Like sometimes. Sometimes a dude snaps on your sneakers and like you look at him and you're like, "Ah, right, oh, you got dude, it, you got hey, it." Hey, watch where you're yeah. going next time. Like, hey, bro, you like, buck hey, up a little man. bit. Like, like, yeah, like, hey, bro, watch out, man. Hey, he's new, man. Like, like sometimes you make a business decision. Uh, I'm sure. Like, obviously, I'm gonna see him because I'm gonna see him again very soon. So, like, yeah, tell him, Aaron. Yeah, tell him, Aaron. You gonna see him again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah. bro. Hey, now that's the soundbite we needed. We, we got, got him. We got him. <laughs> he going to have to see me. Yeah, there it is. Oh, he man. You're hilarious. That's exactly you're the clip we're looking for. Dude. Yes. Well, it's going to be a great yes, time in Vegas, it. man. It's going to be a great time. I know you're going to be there for a long, extended amount of, amount of time. As you said, nine days, right? Yeah, I'm flying in Saturday, and uh, the team gets in Sunday. The Super Bowl opening night is Monday, and then kind of the circus begins, man. The good thing is we've been in Vegas a couple of times. The draft was in Vegas two years ago for NFL. And then, Corey, I saw you at NABJ, I think, later yeah. that year. So uh, I had my Vegas legs. Nine days is going to be a marathon. I know, a lot of work. Bye. And within those nine days, we actually Ooh. just got done talking to Matt Lively. He mentioned that y'all are going to link up at a certain time. How did that all happen? Yeah, for sure. Uh, just like you know, small world uh, on social media and stuff like that. I've been following him for a minute. Chiefs, I think, played a preseason game out there at one point in time or something like that. We connected, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be cool. Anytime these like big NFL events happen, draft, Super Bowl, or like combine or anything, it's like a family reunion a little bit. You see people from around the league uh, all kind of coming down and enjoying it because the league has done a good job of turning it into bigger than just like the two teams. Like they do the NFL honors down there the week before and like they do a bunch of events in the community. So it'll be cool to link up with, uh, Niners folks and, uh, Chiefs folks for sure. It's going to be exciting. All right. That's dope, man. F- make sure you find some time to do a, uh, get ready with me <laughs> at a target. <laughs> you and Matt. Taking, hey, taking a TikTok by storm. Hey. Did Matt do a get ready with me at nah, Target? He's a big TikTok guy, though. I will say that. Yeah, he's a big TikTok guy. I'm not on that. I'm not on oh, that. Yeah. Say, y'all, seen, y'all seen dude got a sponsorship. 
I'm not on that. Yeah, maybe got an NFL sponsorship. Yo. Maybe the Pacheco. Maybe the Pacheco video is what, what we'll get. Hey, one last thing before we let you go, though, bro. Um, you can say yes. You can say no. Travis Kelsey, best tight end of all time. Uh, yeah, and I'm when I say that I am considering the fact that the Chiefs are going to win this Super okay. Bowl, so that gives him three rings. And then once you start to look at the stats that he compiled, because I also I don't want to hot take this one or tinfoil hat this one, but like I could see a world where he also hangs it up after after this. Mm. Um, I've and then gets baby with Taylor the stuff that he yeah. put. Okay, Taylor go off into the sunset. sunset. You know, brings her on stage. Yeah, the, the skill set, the evolution, and then when you consider like the modern day, how tough it is now, how defenses are guarding tight ends, what tight ends are expected to do as far as pass catching and blocking and all the stuff that he and Mahomes does. Um, yeah, I, I think he might, I think he's won. Okay. Hey, look, we were just talking about that before you hopped on and just like, yeah, I mean, all you got is Gronk. That's literally the only other argument. Um, we, we put Kelsey in like Jerry, he, we put him in Jerry Rice I mean, he broke his Like we cannot yeah. just, we can't, we can't just say that and like, oh, fun tidbit uh, yeah. here. Like, nah, bro. Like hey, he was doing this before Mahomes. Like he was doing this with Alex Smith. Like we can't. We can't have it that's normal. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. And so that's why I wanted to ask the question. You know, we wanted to see what you, what you were thinking because the way he moves around the field and the way that this connection with Patrick has grown into, yes, it's been phenomenal. But like you mentioned, Alex Smith and Travis were doing some numbers too. And so let's not just think that Patrick made Travis who he is. Um, now, of course, he's made it a lot louder. I will say that, you know, because they're winning Super Bowls now. But Travis was doing his thing with Alex Smith. And so, yeah, I, I I think now at the receiving tight end is not a question. Now, all around tight end, you know, you got to factor in what Gronk could do in the blocking schemes. He, he did a lot. You know, he did a lot of the dirty work. But I think it, Travis outweighs it with his production as a receiver. And uh, I just want to get your perspective. Nothing crazy, you know. I just, who, who else are we comparing him to? Because there's nobody really in the modern era tight end-wise that you can say, oh, he sees eye to eye with him. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, we're comparing him to tight ends like Tony and Shannon like Sharp. Like you're comparing them, him to guys who haven't played. And, yeah. Okay. I think Gronk is literally the only argument in my mind. Um, because Gronk also has all the Super Bowls to kind of go with it. Yeah. Um, and then he went to Tampa. One one with them, too. Uh, so yeah. people forget about that. Like, Gronk got one with Tampa, you know? So, yeah. I, that's I true. Think, I think that's a one-two right there. But, man, what a combo this was, though. Oh, man. Another great episode with my boy A-Lad. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for hopping on, bro. And enjoy Vegas. I know you got to do a lot of work. You know, we get it. You know, I know you got to. <laughs> you know, you're going to get a little table. A little Come on, jack, now, man. You know I'm going to find something. Jack, you know? You know, I'm going to find something for something. I think Bruno Mars has a couple mm. shows. You know, it's going to be. There's always a few. There's always a few things. I'm sure the stripper ball will be somewhere. The, uh, the what? You ever heard that song before? Are you not familiar with the concept uh-uh. of the stripper bowl? Oh, shoot. No. Anyways, thank you for your time, Eric. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. And hopefully we can talk to you a uh, week before Super Bowl. Any chance? You think you have time? Yeah. Let's okay. make it happen. Let's All right. Sounds happen. good. Thank you, G. Okay, Dion. Can you explain it? Do you know about the stripper bowl thing? 
<laughs> I have heard oh. about the stripper bowl. I think I do have a couple. I think I know a couple young ladies that have actually been to the stripper bowl. But if you're not aware of what Tell the stripper bowl how is, you meet these young this ladies. is this is the okay, Corey. <laughs> that's not important. This is the uh, Super Bowl for okay. the strippers, right? Um, if you're one of them ones uh, from your from the big cities, not from the little cities, so no girls from Nebraska. You're probably not gonna be able. To, no, probably not gonna be Idaho um, or Idaho. Yeah, just some random spots. Um, but from the big cities, Miami, the Houston's, the New Yorks, the Cali's. Like, I don't know how they get the invite. What like stripper? uh text thread they have but they send out a a, a a thread or a flyer and say yo this is a spot where everybody from the super bowl athletes rappers entertainers they're coming here you gotta be here and i mean if you probably search it up you can probably see videos of girls making no 10, way 20 bro. grand um and one this, night or weekend night. yeah like, yeah and one uh stop, probably man. one night so i mean you do that over the weekend you you done went About crazy. Forty G's in two um, nights. So yeah, if you wanted them ones, yeah. Let me let me go ahead and yeah. and I think even for the people that's not not one of them ones, like they probably make a ten grand, twenty grand, even just for the whole weekend. They so. throwing money like that, D. Yeah. They throw money. Yeah, I like think that. Uh, I think the if I can remember, I think Quavo or the Migos a couple years ago they did it and they threw like a hundred grand. Just oh them three. Gosh, um, I could be wrong. What are we doing, Dion? I think it was the one. I, what are we doing? Uh, we're we're on mean, a podcast. What do you mean? We're alpha men. <laughs> on, we're not. We're not. <laughs> we're not alpha, we're alpha men. Let's, podcast, let's cut the mean? Mean? <laughs> real quick. It's not that type of podcast. That's hilarious. <laughs> what did he? What do you think, bro? Oh, we're alpha men podcasters. God, what are you dude. talking about? Must be nice, bro. Make a couple, hey. not a couple. Make a ton of ton of thou, like forty thou, fifty thou. Yeah, and you know what? That's actually that's actually a great point. If you are one of the strippers going to the stripper, <laughs> but we would love to interview you for the most no podcast. Just tell us your experience. Tell us, you know, how y'all get the yeah. invite to these places. You say you knew um, a couple. What are you talking about? Yeah, we would love to. Yeah, oh, they're not in the game no ago, more. You know, back in the day. Yeah, well, I'm retired, sure they know people know, though. Got trapped. I'm sure they know people still in it. Oh, go ahead and send them a text, bro. Hey, maybe, maybe. Hey, you know we'll be pool we'll be perfect. You know uh, what? Oh, I yeah. think I have a we'll feeling that it, it involved Austin. It involved Austin. <laughs> yeah, exact, yeah, that exact person coming soon. Coming soon. All right, chill out, chill out, chill. Let's get to our next thing. Let's get that next thing. So, uh, next up, what a great. Also, re recap of the Super Bowl. Like, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Aaron, for hopping on. I think it's so dope that we're able to get the, both perspectives from both teams in the biggest game of the year. Thank y'all so much. But with the biggest story right now in the 512 back here in Austin in the San Marcos area, Texas State and their quarterback situation. Man, oh man. You know, a couple of weeks ago we talked with Kef about what's going down there and Jaden Delore transferring from Arizona, TJ Finley transferring out. He's at Western Kentucky. But now we have another development. <laughs> and now they ain't got no quarterback. So to talk about that, we brought in Dave Campbell, Texas football editor and writer, Ishmael Johnson. Um, he's doing his thing at the Shrine Bowl right now, but we would, he was able to fit in a couple minutes with us. So here's an interview with Ishmael. Give us some inside look of what's happening at Texas State right now. 
I'm here with the boy Ishmael Johnson, the GOAT, low-key, Dave Campbell, <laughs> Texas football. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Just got back from uh, the star. We got the Shrine Bowl up here. Uh, so we got a lot of a lot of Texas guys, either Texas college players or Texas high school players who went up to play somewhere like Taj Washington at, at USC, uh, Marshall, East Texas kids. So uh, just going to be there this week. Uh, going to be at the game Thursday, but we're just out there checking out the scene today. Look at that, man. Taking time away for the Mullis nose pot. Dion, bro, I told you he a good dude, bro. He a good man. dude. Hard I had to hop on. I had to hop on, man. My first chance to talk to my boy, Corey. Let's go. Uh, let's do this thing, bro. Let's talk then. Let's talk about what's, what's popping down in San Marcos, dog. So let me let me do a little backtrack. You know what I'm saying? Yep, Just yep. make sure we're all on the same yeah, page. If you don't know what's going if on. If you don't know what's going on. Of course, after a historic season, first ever bowl game, winning that bowl game, by the way, CJ Finley breaks a ton of passing records after the bowl game, not giving the coaching staff any type of decision on if he's going to stay or if he's going to go. While he was mulling over that decision, Malik Hornsby, the backup quarterback, transfers to Arkansas State. And then, of course, the portal happens. Coaching staff doesn't know what their QB1 is going to do, so they go out and go get Jaden Delora. Jaden Delora comes over from Arizona. TJ Finley doesn't like that, so he actually did commit to Texas State and then decommits and goes to Western Kentucky. So now Jaden Delora is the guy, right? That's what we're all thinking, QB1. Problem is, sexual assault case on his record. He sells the assault. Uh, he said it was the assault case the day before he signs with Texas State. The student body of Texas State realizes that, gets that information, doesn't like it, starts to petition a protest that was going to happen last Friday. Flyers start going around saying women on this campus at Texas State do not support sexual assaulters. So then that forces Jane Delora to withdraw from the school because it's an uncomfortable situation, right? You're going in as the next QB, but no one on the campus wants you there. So at that point, you have to leave. And then that leaves Texas State in a sticky situation because now their former QB transfers to Western Kentucky. The new QB withdraws from the school. And now they have three guys on that roster to play quarterback. And they have a combined three plays of experience between those three players on the roster at the most important position at, um, on the field. And so did I get it right, Ish? Is that what's going on? Is that yeah. the situation? Yeah, so basically that that's it. Um you know, they they kind of made a gamble and they knew they were going to make a gamble because, you know, I have a piece on this on TechSubble.com that goes in a little bit more detail as far as like timelines. And share them, like share them, share them, share them. So, so, so yeah. basically, you know, after the bowl game, everybody that was going to transfer, whether they were transferring, graduating, going to the, pro, going to the pros, whatever, they were waiting to offer the bowl game. Everybody, okay. right? They, they had no opt-outs of the bowl game because they knew it was Texas bowl game. So all that stuff. The big three that were people were watching were Ashton Hawkins, wide receiver, Ishmati, the running back, and then TJ Finley. Uh, Hawkins announces right after, like the day after the bowl game, that he's transferring, ends up at Baylor. You know, cool. Uh, that wasn't a surprise. He was transferring last year. Kenny got him to come back uh, for one more year. So he's at Baylor now, where Spav is, uh, former head coach, offensive coordinator now at Baylor. Mati announces that he's staying on the first. You know, New Year turns, boom, January 1st, I'm staying, coming back. That was a big one because that was one that people really weren't sure of. And so people assumed, okay, we're going to get a decision from TJ Finley now. He didn't announce until, I believe, the 10th or the 7th. I can't remember. It was roughly a week. It was at that point when Madi announced and then the when Finley didn't announce. That was when belief among Texas State was like, 
he's probably going to leave, right? Like a realistic chance that this dude is going to leave. Gotcha. Um, and so they started doing their due diligence as far as like, you know, making sure they have bodies, making sure they have somebody else in there. And it got to a point where they recruited Jaden Delora, um, at the time, passing game coordinator, uh, uh, Craig Stutzman, who's now the offensive coordinator at San Jose State. He was with Jaden Delora at Washington State with mm-hmm. Eric Morris, who's now the UNT head coach. They were part of that staff. And so he had this connection with Jaden Delora going back to there. Jaden Delora was leaving because Arizona's uh, freshman, Noah F- uh, F- 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 Fatita, F- Fatifa, I think, um, he kind of – yeah, you know, he's, he's real dope, real good. And so he was the starting quarterback. He's their future. So, okay, cool. They got to basically, if I, if I had to guess, like the 10-yard line with Jaden Delora when Finley announced that he's coming back. Hey, boom, I'm back. And they were like, all right. They had a decision to make. They, 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 they saw Finley coming back, but they also had Jaden Delora basically ready to sign. So they basically gamble and say, we think, and this is the this was the opinion. They thought Jaden Delora was better, right, mm-hmm. on the field. And so they said, you know what? We're gonna take Jaden Delora, and we're, we know it's probably not gonna make TJ Finley. He didn't know about it, right, TJ Finley? Yeah. Uh, we know it's probably not gonna make him happy. So sure enough, the next day, boom, he's gone. And Jaden, you mentioned the the sexual assault case that goes back to high school. Um, a lot of people were calling it a criminal case, a civil case, because in Hawaii he was a minor. So, yeah. you know, a lot of semantics and legal jargon. Um, but you mentioned it. That piece gets out. The University Star uh, uh, publishes the piece that he settled the case the day before he signed, which was a case that reemerged in August at Arizona because the judge denied his initial settlement, right? And so basically the judge said, your, your name from NIL makes too much money for whatever the settlement was. Right? I thought it, was, it wasn't enough. And What's so that's your, why they pushed it back. Yeah. Can I, can I just touch on that? Because when I oh, talk about that, that aspect, a lot of people are just like, well, why would the judge do that if the mm-hmm. girl already settled? You know, if she agreed to that number, they agreed to that number. And so I know a lot of people are just like, how can the judge just deny it just because he thinks she can get more money? What's your thought process? Right. I think that... In my opinion, I think that the judge thought that there was a kind of a pressuring of the if I if I to, if I can read it to it correctly, I think that basically the way the the way he ruled he ruled his decision was that he thought that was kind of a pressuring on the defendant's claim that to get the settlement done right because it was it was Delara and I cannot remember his name but it's Safety of Washington who were both in the case, um, and I think that he kind of presumed that there was a kind of pressure to, to, to get it done and to accept the settlement no matter what to move on from it. Um, and so I think in combination with the NIL deals that Jim Delora had, both players had, um, and the idea that she probably didn't want to settle for this amount, um, I think he kind of read into the tea leaves on that. So the issue to me was obviously it was with the, it was with the, the case, but Texas State releases a statement saying uh, basically and I'll, I'll credit to Mariah Medina, who's a, 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 a former Texas State grad, a former reporter. She's now getting her law degree down there in San Antonio. Uh, she basically reads the statement and kind of scathes Texas State for how they said it, because basically they, they kind of hid behind a lot of jargon, jargon, right? It was like, well, he never pled guilty and like blah, blah, blah. And so it was a lot of like, it was a lot of like, you know, semantics for a case that was a lot more serious than that. Um, and brush it underneath the rug a little bit. 
Right, a little bit. And also the the court documents are sealed, right? Mm. And so nobody can really, like, his defense now is that he never pled guilty. Case, the lawsuit alleges that he did, right, in yeah. high school. And so it's a lot of, like, hearsay and, you know, this didn't happen, this did happen. So I think that's what really got set the fires going. Um, and again, credit to the university star, the student newspaper down there. They've been on it, right? They've been really, yeah. really killing it with the coverage. And so sure enough, Chandelora, uh, he leave, he, he does not enroll or he's no longer enrolled as the university said. Um, from what I understand, faculty was on the verge of getting involved as well. No uh, that article was, I was about to say like, that was, that's the thing I think that set the final thing in motion was that faculty okay. was getting that article passed around. And I think Texas State kind of nipped it in the bud before it got to that point. Because at that point, I mean, what happened? You know, when you lose the students and you lose the faculty, like. No one's showing up to the game. What you, what you got? What yeah, you got? No one's going to show up. Right. Wow. Okay. D, what, what you got? Man, the, the timeline gets even more crazy. Yeah. <laughs> For real, uh, dude. Hey, Corey, from us starting this story of like, yo, what, what? why did they do this? To now, you know, Kef being on. And now this added more to the timeline. Man. It's like, this has been a very intricate start to 2024 for Texas State football. And I mean, yeah, man. Ishmael, do you have any words on, are they, do, is there any other options out there at quarterback that is going to have to run it with, yeah. you know, these three guys? Uh, are they going to be having tryouts like at TCU? <laughs> uh, you know, like, do you have any idea what the next steps are now? Yeah, I mean, for, first, let me say that, like, if I was in that situation, I get that you may have thought that Delora was better, mm -hmm. but as soon as Finley announced he was coming back, hey, man, peace. You know, <laughs> appreciate you, Jaden. Cool, we got our dude back. Boom, let's go. Like, well, let's run it back, right? Um, obviously, that didn't happen. So, yeah. That, so, in my opinion, I think this all could have been settled if they just said, you know what? Our guy's back. Cool. Boom. Let's roll. Now, like you mentioned, man, I don't think this is going to be solved until after spring camp when the next transfer portal window opens. Um, because then you'll have quarterbacks, you know, off spring camp for a lot of programs around the country, and then somebody's going to win out in the portal, somebody's going to enter the portal. I don't think there's anybody in the portal right now that they would go and get. Um, the, the big name that everybody's throwing out is Jordan Cloud, I believe. So. James Madison, helpfully James Madison's back. Yeah. Incredible year, former USF quarterback. Uh, he left because they got a new coach at, at James Madison, and so I, I think he's the he's the biggest target still out there. I don't know how much he'll. I don't think you leave James Madison just to go to the other school in the Sun Belt personally. Yeah. So I don't know how much is there. They could throw the they could throw something at him and, and see him come here. But in my opinion, and this is speculation. This is not me reporting anything uh they made a recent hire they signed uh, his dad right so okay, they, yeah, yeah. so they're about to sign his dad to the staff again i'm not saying anything but chad morris did coach gj kenny at tulsa so like there is that connection right it's not just like we need a quarterback let's get this guy so he did he was the offensive coordinator at tulsa when gj played there so like there's a connection but gotcha. he's not signed to unt he committed to unt in december did not sign and he's not going to join them till the summer so, uh, again, these are commitments, right? They're not inked. It's not anything in pen. We'll see. Um, that's one to watch. I don't. I wouldn't give people's hopes too high on that right now. But that's one to watch. But 
I think this is going to be something where it's not going to be solved out the spring. Um, PJ Hatter is uh, the true freshman they signed from Spring Westfield last cycle. They do like him. Um, he'll probably go into the spring as QB one. I don't know if he's ready for that, you know, to go into the fall as QB one, but he's going to have a spring to show. Um, threw for over four thousand yards at, at, at senior year at, at Westfield. Has talent. Um, Kenny's talked about him pretty highly. Everybody else is a true freshman, right? Brad Jackson from San Antonio Reagan, like. Bro, it's 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 gonna if this spring's gonna look a little different, man. This spring's not gonna be last year where it's Malik Hornsby and oh man, yeah. cool, and they bring in TJ Finley. Oh, it's like nah, it's, it's gonna be some some freshmen. And I was gonna ask, well not ask, but like kind of shed some light and maybe the good yeah. side of things is that TJ didn't come until around that time last year, and so going to spring, right, right, I remember right. going to the spring game and watching Malik Hornsby and thinking, oh, he's mm-hmm. a dude, you know, he bought out in the spring yeah. game. Next thing I know, I see TJ Finley's transferring to Texas State. And I'm like, whoa, I thought Hornsby was the guy. So, GJ has gotten a quarterback in that second transfer portal window. And he got his QB1 last year in that window. And so, I think that could be the signs of hope for Texas State fans as if, like, they've done it last year. They found their quarterback last year around that time. So, let's see if GJ can do it again this year. No, that's a good point because, like, yeah, everybody thought, I mean, once they landed Hornsby, you're like, oh, man, former four-star recruit going, you know, here's this guy coming back. Um, And then he made it. And that's also, like, it goes in line. Him bringing Finley in goes in line with him bringing Delora in, right? Like, he he was able to get – he wanted to get a fraction better, right? Like, Malik Hornsby put in the work in the spring, but it was like, and we think TJ maybe gives a little bit more. They brought him in, right? Now, Hornsby was able to work, you know, uh, uh, as a backup and – they had some really good packages for him, but man, like he there, this is not, this is the thing he's done before, right? He's gone and gotten a guy that makes them maybe a little bit better. Right. And so even if I think he would have gone, I think he would have added a quarterback in this cycle anyway, whether it was Delar or whoever, I think he would have brought in somebody of starting caliber to maybe push TJ a little bit. If they made that decision, um, it just kind of came back to bite this time around, obviously uh, with a lot of other stuff that wasn't just football. But I agree. I, I think this is a it's a hard thing to do. Sit back and wait after last season, yeah. right? You're like, oh man, we're about to compete for the conference. We're about to do X, Y, and Z. This is gonna be dope. So like, it's it's gonna be hard, right? You're gonna see PJ Hatter again. I do like him. I think he will be a starting quarterback eventually, um, but probably not this year. But that might be the dude they got, and until May or whatever. And I think when May comes around, they'll go fishing. They'll find somebody. Um, whether or not he's good enough to start over Hatter or not, we'll see. But yeah, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't be shocked if they bring in somebody just to bring in somebody for the spring. But I don't know if it's going to be somebody that's going to push Hatter uh, day one. Let's put it that way. Well, last thing for me, I know you got a lot of stuff to do yeah. at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, you got big boy, you got big boy <laughs> things to do other than Mother's Nose Pot. <laughs> but uh, so as a Texas State fan and as an alumni, you know, to have yeah. such an historic season, and you kind of mentioned it having such a historic season with G.J. Kenny's first year there, T.J. breaking all the all the records. Does it suck? Does it suck to kind of be like, bro, we just had this great season, and now less than three months. after the bowl game. Less than, immediately, bro, immediately, immediately, immediately after, yeah, immediately, after the bowl man. game, there's turmoil. And so how does it feel yeah. just as an alumni to see that and think like, man, we're going to have such a great year. We have a great foundation. And then now it's like we don't have a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. It is frustrating. Um, you know, you kind of wanted to s- sail into the off season, like you meant, like I mentioned, like 
this team was surely going to be probably the favorite in the West because mm. um, South Alabama lost Kane Walmack. He's now defensive coordinator at, at Alabama. And there was some other coaching moves that went on. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. All right, Troy, Troy as well. Troy's head coach went to the new head coach at uh, uh, Tulane. And so I was like, oh, man, Texas State's kind of really positioning to be kind of having have made. And, yeah, like, I hate to say, like, I'll say it like this. So it was frustrating because it was kind of a sign of what how things used to be, right? It was like something good happens, boom, 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 uh, never mind, you know, three steps back kind of thing. The positive, and this is where I'll give them credit, is that they just cut, they cut it in the bud, right? They're like, you know what? This didn't work out, boom, done, move on, right? That's something that I don't know if that would have happened in the past. I think it might've been something that would have lingered, right? Maybe they just shut out public, you know, perception or like the public outcry. And they just kind of put their head down and get to spring ball. Cause like once signing day is over, Kenny don't got to talk to nobody until spring ball. Right. Mm. And so like, that was, that was the worry on my part, but I think credit to the staff and this administration, they said, you know what? Okay, cool. This isn't a good look. Right. So we'll find a way, boom, whether it was started by them or Delar or whoever decided to break ties, like just move on. Um, so yeah, it is frustrating because like it was something that kind of like, oh, of course, of course this happens, you know, this nothing good could happen to Texas State, but now it kind of it's kind of a clean slate. Unfortunately, it was a kind of a monster of their own making, yeah. but uh, at least they at least they took care of it, right? So now it's about going forward. This is still a good roster. Um, it just needs a quarterback, and that that's what I mean. That's why you hire a guy like Kenny, right? You hire him to go get your quarterback. So hey, look. This is uh, more of a pinch than last year, uh, but hey, look, it, that's why you bring in the guy. You got to bring him in to get you get you across the finish line. And that's why you pay him all that money. That's why you pay him all that money, huh? That's why you pay GJ to get that thing done. So <laughs> I hey. was about to say, he's, he's getting a mill now, man. I didn't even know we had yeah. a mill. Yeah, he's getting I'm a mill here. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> Figure it out, dude. Oh, man. Seriously. Well, thank you, dog, for hopping on the pod. Really appreciate it. Great insight. Oh, for man. sure, man. Anytime, so much bro. Great insight. I can't wait to see how this whole thing handles and, and kind of finishes out. Who's going to be the QB1 in San Marcos? Because like you said, it's a great roster. It's a great team. And they yeah. have a shot to win that conference. And so if they can get a QB1 yeah. in there that's worth a damn, man, they, they could be dangerous. And so thank you so much yep. for, for hopping on, though. Continue doing great things. Hopefully we can have you on soon again. I oh, appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys, man. It was fun. Sure. Glad to be on anytime. Let's talk basketball next time too. Man, so much information right there, Dion. I appreciate Ish for coming on and, and kind of, like you said, D, right? Connecting the dots. Yeah, for me, like from us starting the story to Kef, to Kef giving us a, a timeline to now him even adding more to the timeline and just really, I I feel like I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly how... <laughs> Uh, Jaden Delora is feeling. Uh, I know exactly how the student body is feeling. Um, like, this was great. This was a great, informative piece that I'm, I'm glad we were able to uh, talk yeah, to him. Like, this was can perfect. you imagine, D? <laughs> this was like, if you're Jaden Delora. Now, mind you, I before I say this statement, <laughs> before I say this yeah, statement, I do not sure support <laughs> sexual disclaimer. assault. I do not support sexual assault. Big disclaimer. All right? Yeah. Just being that serious. But, man, it must suck that you finally settled this case that's been looming over you for the past four to five years and you think you have a new start mm -hmm. at a new school with a mm -hmm. starting position as a quarterback of a school who's actually on the up and up at texas state 
And the moment you get here, everyone hates you. <laughs> and no one wants to have yep. anything to do with you at this university. And so you have to withdraw from the school. That must suck. Now, also, he put himself in that situation with the actions that he made. Of but course. as a human being of and course. as a as a man of faith that can forgive people and if Jesus forgave us, I can forgive others. And I think for a situation like that, it's it sucks. I, I bet it sucks for him to think that he had a whole new fresh start and now he has to go back to the drawing board and figure out where he's going to go with his career. But like I said, all actions have consequences and we do not support sexual assaulters. I'm just looking on both sides of the spectrum and trying to be fair. So, yeah, Dion. Yeah, that that is a wild turn of events. I was just imagining that, like you say, I think everything's done. You know, I've done what I needed to do to try to move past it. And the judge says, no, you're making too much money. She needs you more coins. She, she's going to need a couple more dollars. She's going to need a couple more dollars from you, sir. Sorry. So, yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, you know, hopefully he, he gets that figured out. Um, hopefully the young lady is, you know, hopefully it's an amount she's okay with. Um, and like I say, hopefully all parties involved are good now. Um, mm. Texas State. I mean, like like we said in the in the you know in the in the interview, um, it's not over. It's not over. There's still some time that you can get a good quarterback. Um, and apparently, you know, you do have some good some decent yeah. guys on the roster. So uh, I know this has got to feel weird for those guys. Like even if they do play good, you still might. <laughs> your spot's still not secured. They might still might. So I, like, I know they got to feel weird for them. Because um, just imagine, you thinking, oh, man, I just got to beat out these two guys that are, they got the same experience as me. And in a couple months, they're probably going to bring somebody in. Mm. And yeah. how about Ish, though, doing so, a little investigative reporting? Chad yeah, Morris yeah, coming he, over as a men's wide receivers yeah. coach. Son. Low key could transfer over to be the QB one. We'll see if, if that does happen. Most knows had it first. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Most knows had it first, man. First. But thank you so much for listening into another episode, bro. So much content, so many great people hopping on. Thank you, Matt Lively. Thank you, Aaron Ladd. Thank you, Ishmael Johnson, for hopping on. Thank you, Dion, for doing your thing and, and hanging and tagging along the whole time. I really appreciate you. Any final thoughts? Hey. No, nah, man. Uh, once again, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, we would do the tweets yeah. this week, but we're running a little over. Um, y'all let us know if y'all miss it, though. Let us know. Let us know. If y'all if y'all really want it back, we can definitely make sure next week we uh, squeeze some time in for that. But, uh, no, this is another great episode. And, um, yeah, man, uh, have faith. Have faith that it'll work out for you. Have faith that, uh, you know, whatever uh, trial that you're going through, you're going to overcome it. Um, you're going to have the strength to go through it and the knowledge to, you know, find the solution. So just have faith. Um, that's all I got. For and this on episode. top of that, you, be Corey? patient, you know, to have faith, you gotta be patient for every situation that you're, you're struggling with. And so wherever God's trying to work through in your life, just be patient, just be patient and pray and trust that he's going to make things happen. So, um, thank you so much for being patient with us. I know our pod's not always a, it's not the greatest thing in the world, you know, and we make our mistakes here and there, but we just hope you enjoy it. And so we're thankful that you're here listening. But as always, Dion. Yeah.